Welcome back to the big program, final hour of the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, a lot of texts. It's funny when you, you start talking about some things and it just takes off like dessert. Uh, we had a lot of people talking about the, the shopping carts yesterday and things like that, but uh, the desserts. And, and actually, to, to pony the desserts, uh, the Duke was talking about milk. Uh, Tim says, so agree. Nothing like milk out of the tank. Three and a half, three and a quarter, three, two, five, four. Well, out of the tank, that's whole milk. But uh, oh. from the, since I don't have <gasps> unlimited access to that anymore, um, yeah, three, two, five is the best uh, best I'll do from the grocery store. Uh, and they rob me blind every time I'm there buying it. Uh, Jana, longtime happy listener, says only brownies and fruit pies are good with ice cream. Everything else out. Jeff says the Earl, the old Earl's moose cake with raspberry sauce. Husks says not all cakes and pie need ice cream or icing. Might need to try uh, better cakes and pie. Kyle says, you got it, Kev. Billy Miner pie is the best. Andrew, Billy Miner pie, best dessert on the market. Uh, this was kind of f- funny to go along with uh, just uh, in the middle of it. Can Joe Public, like me, watch the alumni skates? Uh, live downtown, it would be a lot of fun to watch some highly skilled guys play along just for the hell of it. First of all, you wouldn't want to watch it because it's pretty bad out there. <laughs> Having said that, there are some guys that still can wheel pretty good. Kyle Chipcher was out again, and you know he's still in tip-top physical condition, but there if, are a few guys that are... If this texter was really that keen on uh, coming to watch legends like you play, oh, Kevin, yeah. um, they can see you other places, of course, because uh, uh, your Friday skates are... Just at a community rink, aren't they? They are at Terwilliger, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, and depending, like you won't be there tonight, but the Critters on Thursday nights roaming around um, Alberta. The Critters are in uh, Thorhill. Thorhill for tonight. the thirtieth anniversary of the site of the original game. I still have, I'm about a twenty percent chance I could go. I have some appointments late in the afternoon. Mm. Bus leaves at four thirty. The bus leaves the War Memorial at four thirty <laughs> from Slapshot. Uh, but 30 years, that's great that the Critters and the first game. So they they had an old picture showing uh, around the Yeah, a couple, uh, a couple, couple original members making their return, including uh, recurring guest Tim Ellis, a yeah, uh, friend Ellis. of the program, Marty Stevens, amongst a, a few others. But um, yeah, man, then they've already, uh, I was talking to Pat Galenza mm-hmm. yesterday at Nate, chair of the RATV program yeah. and a member of the Critters as well. He was telling me they've already got like 15 grand raised for this game tonight. I here's the problem, Duke. And okay, so when you go to your Thursday night, uh, the NFL, so you're in Sherwood Park at CBH tonight, right? Correct. So you've got the NFL game on, but you've also got the Oilers game on. So you're sort of monitoring it. So let me ask you this. What if you were not able to monitor or watch the Oilers game until you got home tonight? And having said that, and, say, and then you had to be ready to rock and roll and talk about it, at six in the morning, seven in the morning. That, that's where it gets tough because since we're on so early, the opportunity, say if we were to miss a game, whether it be a, a other engagement or whatever the case, um, like if Gregor has to miss a game or something, he can watch Always it, watch get it. up in the morning, like watch the full thing on replay. We don't really have that luxury with the, uh, like I said, if you're coming home from something, he's got to go to bed at a decent time to get up to mm-hmm. be here for the show and then, or alternatively get up even earlier to watch the game in the morning. So it, it puts us in a bit of a tougher spot. Yes. Or in the past, you could say you watched it and faked it. <laughs> that has happened. Believe me, listeners, that has happened with You watched the, uh, the, the uh, Sports Center highlight pack. Yes. Oh, I watched the game. Yeah. I, I remember when I when I first started and I, one of the first things I learned, 
Uh, no, you didn't watch the, the Oilers game because you also had a hockey game yourself. You had your kids game. You and your wife watched two episodes of Yellowstone and you watched the Oilers game and that's it. And that. Anything else? No, you didn't because it's impossible. Mm-hmm. The rig. <laughs> hey guys, with Laddie complaining about serving size, has he not heard of seconds? LOL, the rig. I, you know, I would be, I would bet that Laddie would just be a ravenous appetite. Just ravenous. Uh, imitation Tom says, I'd be watching the oil in 20. Okay, well, that's what we're talking about. If you want to come on and pretend you watched the whole whole Oiler game, got the Coles Notes version, well, are you really doing your job? Are you doing justice to the people that are texting in, the people that are, are saying, hey, what did you think of this play? Or you have a guest on and that you're, you're, you're interviewing someone, you go, what did you think of this play? Well, you didn't really see exactly the whole, whole concept and the whole story of it as well. Um Text coming in uh, to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Mark Giordano, Chris Johnson reporting is week to week with a broken finger. So the Leafs, man, their defense is decimated. They are looking to make trades, and you always see that link with uh, Brad Treleving and Calgary. And you got Tanev, you got Zadorov. The rumors are flying out there all the while. Some NFL notes is we're going to have uh, Brady Henderson on from ESPN.com at ten twenty. Rebecca Lopez reporting, and then Adam Schefter uh, poning that the Dallas police are trying to get Vaughn Miller to turn himself in. Active warrant for an arrest on allegation of domestic violence. Uh, Bills say we are made aware of an incident involving Vaughn Miller in the process of gathering more information. Also, Sports Illustrated, the man, well, sorry, the sports person of the year is Deion Sanders. Coach Prime is the Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year. What do you make of that, Duke? I don't uh, know about that. I mean, yes. got to be better people than that. He's, he's done a great job in a pretty short period of time, too. I mean, Colorado in the first three weeks matched their win total from last season. But what have they done since then? They've got their doors blown off a couple times. Um, playing real teams. Play, yeah, playing real teams with real offenses in the Pac-12, which... Uh, will not exist uh, next year, but uh, yeah, I, there has to be better choices out there for that. Like in the whole year, mm-hmm. that's your one pick. And I love Dion. I'm a big coach prime guy, but someone with there's got to be better soccer or something. something. I don't know. Something. Yeah. I, I'm a little, little disappointed in that choice, but uh, Hey, I'm not the one making it. So, uh, when you see the cover of the magazine, maybe you'll see the fact that, uh, might sell a few covers. Who knows? A few mags, get a couple covers out there. Also today, if I think there's so many people, and we're such a uh, passionate, a real passionate city when it comes to golf. We follow golf. So many people. There, there's and even in Alberta, I mean, there's so many stories out there. That one guy, I can't remember his name now, played every course in Alberta. It took him several years to do it, but. There's and I, I think Terra Pines is still open. It's going to be open Monday, Tuesday into December. Uh, had a text about that. Tiger Woods back in action at the Hero Challenge. Does anyone care about that? Do you care that Tiger's back in a tournament? The Hero Challenge in uh, the Bahamas, I guess you could say that's where it is. I think Tiger's teeing off shortly or just maybe has in the last little bit. 
last I nine fifty two is his tee off time. Don't know if that's local time or whatever it is, but Tony Finau leads. Brian Harmon is uh, one stroke back at the Albany Golf Club. The purse four and a half million bucks. Duke, do you care about? Golf at this time of the year? Tiger Woods playing <laughs> once, in a tournament? Once the Ryder Cup wraps, I'm pretty much done with golf for the season. Um, probably in the next few weeks, I'll start hitting some uh, some sims on the occasional weekend, whether it be back home or here. And I, I like I don't go to the simulator to you know, work on my game in the off-season, uh, as it were. I, I like to go with some friends, have a few drinks, and have a good time. So that that's not of, of a top priority. But the t- Tiger's always going to make news in the world of, in the world of golf. That's he's desert, he's earned it. He's he's the mm-hmm. biggest name to ever play it. Pro- depending on your opinion, probably the greatest to ever play it as well. Um, so it's going to make news with him back in action after what he's gone through again. Yeah. But this uh, this doesn't really make waves because of the the low stakes of the tournament. Despite the fact that, like you just said, it's still a, a multi million dollar purse available. So any tournament where Tiger Woods plays in, the ratings are through the roof. There are more fans that still want to see this guy play. I mean, the story of everything that's happened away from the course is obviously well-documented, but people still want to see him tee the ball up. Do you think he ever goes to the senior, to the Champions Tour? I, I don't know if he does until he's maybe a little old. Like, I mean, it's 50 years old, right? I, so. I, I, don't, I don't even think that because I think once it reaches a point where he's not... And I mean, you can say he's not really in a competitive state on a week-to-week basis on the tour right now, because his body's been through so much. So why continue? To, he has nothing left to prove. Why continue to put mm-hmm. it through it on the senior tour? Like I think he hangs it up and enjoys being a, a dad, watching his son now start to kind of yep. um, take take the next step. If he can continue this trajectory, and the, the like- kid, the kid's got an ungodly amount of pressure on him already. He's like 14 <laughs> years old just because he's Tiger Woods' kid. So uh, I think maybe Tiger would take a step back from playing himself and and take a more um, dad type approach because I don't think he coaches Charlie. Uh, I think he he kind of did is like, hey, I'm hands off. He has his game, I have mine. You don't think he's standing on the green with change <laughs> in his pockets, jingling it like uh, Earl was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amongst other things. Amongst other things. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you've ever seen the documentary on HBO, it's uh, worth a worth a watch. Tiger, uh, it's a two part series. Oh, there's some crazy video in there and uh, really quite revealing of, of what happened with uh, Tiger's dad and uh, I think basically his first uh, girlfriend that really talked about uh, how fragile it was and how the situation was kind of toxic uh, growing up uh, with uh, Tiger and Earl and, and things like that. So uh, when we come back, we will uh, touch on the Thursday night football game in the NFL. Seattle Seahawks in Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Brady Henderson from ESPN.com will join us right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, 1019 uh, in Edmonton as we get set to talk a little uh, NFL Thursday night football. We're just uh, trying to hook up with Brady Henderson from ESPN.com. Covers the uh, Seattle Seahawks as the Hawks get ready for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys come in at eight and three and really pressing, just trying to just trying to keep pace with Philadelphia in the NFC East, which is a tall, tall task. Seattle comes in at six and five. Hawks actually got a little bit of a, I guess, help. You can call it some help with what happened in with the Chicago result with uh, Minnesota, just because. 
uh, you know, Chicago has been, you know, that was an upset win for Chicago taking out uh, Minnesota and Seattle's battling it out with Minnesota trying to, you know, stake a claim in the NFC uh, playoff picture. All right, the Duke of Delburn has uh, connected with Brady Henderson from ESPN.com. Perfecto. Uh, all right, let's uh, welcome in Brady Henderson from ESPN.com to the program. Uh, Brady, you're with uh, Kevin Carius on Sports 1440. Uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. How's it going? Oh, it's going great here. We're looking forward to tonight's game. We've had so many Thursday nighters that have not uh, lived up to snuff, but what do you make of this one? And I guess in particular, can you kind of give an update where uh, the Hawks are with Kenny Walker and uh, Geno Smith? Yeah, so Geno Smith is fine. He was off the, the uh, easy for me to say, fine, because yeah. he's still playing through you know the, uh, the triceps contusion that he suffered, uh, what was that, a week and a half ago, I guess, at this point. Uh, but he was off the injury report, um, and so it I doesn't seem like that's something that is really affecting him um, anymore. There's certainly not as much as it did last week when he, you know, on the short week, couldn't really throw much at all uh, in the days leading up to that game. So I think Geno Smith is going to be back to normal. Uh, they're not going to have Ken Walker the third, barring some unexpected, you know, turnaround with his oblique strain. Uh, he did not practice all week, hasn't practiced or played since he suffered that injury uh, on the opening drive of the Rams game, the same game that uh, Geno Smith hurt his his mm-hmm. um, his triceps. And so, um, not going to see Walker. I think it's going to be Ken, it's going to be uh, their rookie second round pick Zach Charbonnet filling that uh, number one running back role again. And uh, you know, this offense has had enough issues, and, and they're going to be without one of their their best players, their best home run threats again, and Walker. Yeah, uh, Brady Henderson from ESPN.com is our guest on Sports fourteen forty. With with Charbonnet, Brady, is, it almost seemed that he was running better or playing better with the addition of Kenny Walker in the lineup. But last week he looked a little off. Uh, how would you comment on that? On Charbonnet? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, it, I, I just think it's sort of like with Geno Smith. There's just a lot you, you can you know fixate on his individual play and, and say he's not really getting it done. But then when you take a step back and look at the bigger picture – there's so much going wrong with that offense right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I, I think Jack, I think Charbonnet is a nice compliment to Walker in that, you know, Walker is the home run threat. He's the speed guy. And Charbonnet is more of the power back, the, the guy who's going to sort of, um, you know, grind it out and, and make defenders pay. And so, um, uh, you know, he, he is a rookie second-round pick, so he's got a lot of talent, but I think they would prefer to keep him in that complimentary role. Um, I, I think he did okay just in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, the yards per carry average the last couple of weeks. I think he's, you know, 29 carries and, um, you know, 100 yards, which yeah. is not great at all. But um, it, it's, you know, I, I think there are some runs to be had there. Um, they're just, I think one of their problems, one of many problems with this offense is they're just not getting enough overall plays uh, because they can't convert on third down. Um, and there's just so many other issues going on there that it, it's hard to really evaluate any one single player um, without taking into account everything else that's kind of going haywire around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brady, what did you make of the game last week, the uh, 31-13 loss to San Francisco on Thanksgiving Day? Yeah, I mean, that was it's a tough matchup for them, and we, we knew that going into it just based on what happened last year where the 49ers beat the Seahawks three times by a combined score. I think it was 89-43. to 43. So they won all three games last season by about two touchdowns and then some. And, uh, you know, the whole conversation this offseason with the Seahawks was, 
you know, how how much did they close the gap with the 49ers? And I think to some degree that they did with with a strong offseason, the big free agency, uh, some big free agency signings, the draft with the two first-round picks. But I think that game was just another reminder that, A, that gap was pretty big to begin with. Uh, the 49ers are still a really good team that is hitting its stride after that three-game losing streak. And I just think the Seahawks didn't play – I don't think that gap should be as big as it looked in that game. And um, But, again, there's a lot going on between not having Ken Walker, between Geno – um, he, you know, he said he was fine, you know, with his arm, like his arm wasn't bothering him in that game. But I, I think if nothing else, you know, not being able to throw much at all in the, in the you know, days leading up to that game, from what I understand, the doctors basically told him that you could throw, but yeah. it, there's a good chance it'll set you back. And so they really tried to limit his throwing, uh, which obviously is going to affect your timing and rhythm and everything like that. And then, um, I think to begin with two playing the 49ers on a short week, is tough because of all of the motions and all of the different challenges that that offense presents. It's hard enough to mm-hmm. prepare for everything that you're going to face with that offense on a normal week, let alone a short week like that. And so um, between all that, I think that's why you saw them lose by 18 points. Brady Anderson with us on uh, Sports 1440. Uh, one of your most recent articles on, on ESPN.com, Brady, is about the long-term answer, I guess, is in the headline with Geno Smith. Where do you sit? Where do you think uh, this quarterback is, I guess, in the long term with this franchise? Yeah, so he, he signed the three-year extension in March, three-year $75 million deal. There's another $30 million uh, in incentives that he can make. or It's, it's technically their escalators on top of that. Um, so I think, you know, not only that, but there's, you know, the Seahawks, the way that they structure their contracts is they don't fully guarantee money beyond the first year. And so I think that that contract was designed to give the Seahawks a potential out mm-hmm. after this season, if Smith were to falter. And I think that part of the thinking there with the way that they did that deal was, you know, remember they had the fifth overall pick. And so I think the the whole idea of potentially moving on from Geno after this season, if he were to struggle, I think that would uh, all along would have been a lot more likely had they taken an early, you know, they spent an early pick mm-hmm. on a quarterback. And then it would be clear that, you know, Gino was just sort of keeping the seat warm for that guy. They really don't have much of a viable path to, uh, you know, a clear upgrade right now. I don't think Drew Locke has done anything to show them that he is that guy. He still has supporters in the building, but um, he's really done nothing in two seasons to, I don't think, give people a whole lot of confidence that he would be an upgrade from Geno. He'd certainly be cheaper, but I don't know yeah. if he would be better. And, you know, unlike the, the past two years, they don't have a, a top 10 pick. Now, maybe things go totally south over the final month and they end up getting one. But as it stands right now, I mean, they're projected to make the playoffs. And so you're probably going to be picking in the 20s. They don't have a second round pick because of the Leonard Williams trade. So I think it's going to be hard for them to replace Geno Smith this offseason. But with the way the contract is structured and with the way things have gone, I do think it's something that you've at least got to take into consideration. Now, the other side of that, guys, is that, you know, so much of what happens, what has happened with Geno right now and his struggles, as I mentioned, I think that's a product of, of stuff going on around him, too, mm-hmm. in addition to, you know, his own play not being uh, up to the standard that he set last season. And so if they can sort of even some of those things out, then I think the – you know, that conversation about replacing Geno will be less and less. But it's not going to be easy because, you know, they face some really good defenses uh, over the next three weeks and starting with Dallas tonight. Uh, tough schedule coming up for Seattle. There's no question about that as Brady Henderson guests with us on Sports 1440. You know, I don't know, Brady, if maybe you feel the same way, but 
every time I watch Bobby Wagner play, I think that he's like 25 years old. I mean, he, he <laughs> seems to be denying father time. What do you think about his play this year? Yeah, I, he's having a nice season. Now, certainly when you're his age, 33 years old, you're not going to be as fast uh, as you were um, you know, in your 20s. And I think some teams, there, there are times where he gets into difficult matchups, like you know, with Devo Samuels running by him. That's a tough matchup for any linebacker, let alone you know, somebody who's 33 years old. But I think the signing, you know, re-signing him has, without a doubt, been a net positive. And it's not just the on-the-field stuff and, and him, you know, sort of getting that front seven um, back on track in a way that, you know, they, they had some inexperienced guys last year. Cody Barton was a first-time starter. And he may have been faster than Wagner, but he, just the feel for the game wasn't nearly what it is when you're talking about, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame guy like Wagner. So there's the on-field stuff, but there's also the leadership aspect of it. And, you know, you got to go back to uh, the week two game. Remember, they beat the Lions when nobody really expected them to coming off of, remember, the, the uh, Lions were coming off that season-opening victory against the Chiefs at yeah. Arrowhead yeah. and the Seahawks. Meanwhile, we're coming off a pretty embarrassing home loss uh, to uh, the Rams team where, you know, they were favored in that game and then they just collapsed in the second half. And, um, you know, going out to practice on Wednesday, we saw Bobby Wagner gather the entire team around him and he's basically lighting them up <laughs> saying, you got to pick it up. You got to bring the energy. You got to figure, you got to forget what happened in that game. And the only thing you can control is, what's ahead of you and your energy and all that. And so uh, he sort of got their minds right going into that game and they pulled off a pretty impressive upset. You know, what was Pete Carroll thinking when the schedule came out and you touched on it a little bit, but you got, so San Fran, Dallas, San Fran, Philly, he must've been going, Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's no doubt. And that, um, you know, even when the schedule came out, I think it was pretty clear that this was going to be the defining stretch of their season potentially. And, you know, we, nobody really thought it at the time, but I think in retrospect, now that we've seen the Rams beat the Seahawks twice and, and you know, uh, really taking into account how much of a tough matchup that's been for Pete Carroll's team since the Rams hired McVay, I think they're now 5-10 and 10 against the Rams, including playoffs. He probably could have thrown that game in there, and it turns out you could have because the Rams, uh, you know, won that game when the Seahawks missed the late field goal. And so that game, uh, I think, really hurt the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going into it, Look, you would have thought that the the 49ers game, obviously 49ers were still favored in that game, still a more talented team. So that's not a game that you expect to win. But you expect to win, you expect to beat the Rams, even in their building, just given the talent disparity. Um, And I think so much of the outlook on Seattle season right now, and and even on Geno Smith's season and how he's playing, so much would be changed, I think, if they pulled off that win. Because now they're, what, 7-4, and You give yourself some breathing room going into this really tough stretch. Uh, and also, you know, Geno Smith, like, that's a pretty heroic game-winning drive that he leads there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after leaving the game with the triceps injury. And he was playing, I think, well in the first half before that injury. So, so, so much, I think, their yeah. outlook and, and Smith's, the perception of his season would have been changed if they wouldn't have botched the, the finish of that game with, you know, the the sort of the way that yeah. the final – sequence of plays went and then missing the field goal. Well, you're, you're so right on that, uh, Brady. Uh, again, you, after the win against Washington, you're 6-3. and three. You beat If you beat L.A., you, you're 7-3, and three, and you're still talking about, you know what, we can push San Fran for the division here. 
but that's probably a, a far off dream right now, the way things are, are, are shaking down there. So what do you make of uh, the matchup tonight with Dallas as far as, far as the secondary standpoint goes? Uh, Devin Weatherspoon's had a, a fantastic uh, rookie season, but... I mean, Dallas has a lot of weapons led by C.D. Lamb. Uh, can you break down that uh, matchup for us tonight? Yeah, Devin Witherspoon has maybe been their best defensive player this season, and, and certainly expectations were high for him when they drafted him fifth overall. That's the highest draft pick the Seahawks have taken anybody under um, Pete Carroll and John Schneider. And so got off to you know kind of a slow start uh, for him in the summer where he was kind of in and out of training camp with the hamstring injury. There was a very brief holdout, but – since he really got in the lineup and, and since they started playing him at Nickelback as well, um, he has taken off. And so he is, I think, maybe their best shot at staying in this game is if you get some sort of a big play for him, uh, from him. He's, he's got, you know, he's, he, had a, he has a pick six earlier this season, 97-yard pick six against the Giants. But they also use him quite a bit as a blitzer uh, from mm-hmm. the slot. And so I think there's, there's a chance for him to impact this game and I just think they're going to have to get something like that, some big unexpected play, uh, just because otherwise this is a really tough matchup. And, and even on both sides, you know, Dallas says they're first in uh, our, our pass rush uh, win rate metric at ESPN. Um, and that has been an issue for the Seahawks. I, I, one thing I mentioned of you know, all the things that are going wrong around Gino, one of those is that his offensive line has been really banged up. Uh, and so the pass protection has been challenged, and I think that's really going to be a challenge tonight. And so, you know, Deron Bland has uh, almost as many touchdowns via pick sixes <laughs> over the last four games as the Seahawks do on offense as a whole. And so uh, it's a really tough matchup, but I think probably mostly because of Dallas's pass rush um, versus the Seahawks' offensive line. And there's been a really big emphasis this week in, inside those meeting rooms yeah. uh, about Geno needing to get the ball out quickly and not giving the rush a chance to get to him. Man, you mentioned Deron Bland. What a, what a season. Would he, would he be head-to-head mostly with DK Metcalf tonight, or how is that going to work? What do you think there? Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly how they use him, whether they move him around or whether yeah. they keep him to one side. Um, you know, the 49ers actually did that with uh, Traverius Ward, last week and it was to some degree unexpected just because I don't think he had been doing that a whole lot um, this season. But then they, they stuck him on Metcalf and um, I would say that for the most part Ward and the 49ers won that battle. So that is something Dallas could potentially do. I know DK, you know, whether he has a cornerback follow him or um, whether they mix and match, he's going to get a lot of double teams just because that's what teams tend to do when you got a guy that big capable of running that fast and so that should open up some opportunities for Tyler Lockett uh, for Jackson Smith and Jigba mm-hmm. their uh, rookie first round pick um, but again I mean the Seahawks are really going to have to be on their game just because they are not good enough to you know make mistakes and to shoot themselves in the foot uh, they're not good enough to overcome those mistakes and I think again it, it's going to take some sort of big game changing play I think to hang with Dallas tonight. Well, I mean, Dallas is playing so well at home, too. I mean, they're the first team ever to win the first five home games by 20-plus points. So, I mean, what do the Seahawks have to do here, I mean, defensively, just to kind of slow these these big horses down? Yeah, I mean, they've got to do a lot. They've got to tackle, I think, for one. The tackle with Seattle has really been spotty this season. I think they're going to have to find some way to put pressure on Dak. And, and you know, the, the pass rush with their front four has been a little inconsistent. But I think since they've got Leonard Williams there, they've got another guy 
um, who can make an impact there. And so, uh, and again, they're they're using Devin Witherspoon as a blitzer, I think, more so than they are Jamal Adams. Now, mm-hmm. Adams did blitz quite a bit last week, and that was the most we've seen that this season. They they haven't been blitzing him nearly as much as they did you know, during that season a few years ago, 2020, when he had nine and a half sacks in 12 games. So I do wonder if you're going to see them maybe uh, continue that and, and to start to increase his blitzing like they did last week. But um, it, it's just going to take, it's going to take, I think, their best game uh, to win. And I think on offense, I think one strategy could be, you know, given how well Dallas starts, given how you know, all the scrutiny that's been on Geno and, mm-hmm. and um, just sort of the how, you know, poorly things have gone for their offense. I think you've got to, in that script, in the first whatever, however many plays that offensive coordinator Shane Waldron scripts, I think he's got to get Geno some easy completions to just get that confidence going and to find some sort of an early rhythm uh, because that offense has just not had any of it over the last few weeks. I think maybe the screen game to Charbonnet could uh, be a big factor tonight. There you go. The screen game to Charbonnet, maybe even the screen game to, to Jackson Smith and Jigba. You mm-hmm. know, that the running joke among uh, reporters who cover the Seahawks and the radio people who talk about it in the market is that uh, the Seahawks, you know, can't, uh, you know, for the longest time, they couldn't, you know, uh, complete a screen pass to save their lives. <laughs> but it actually has been uh, picking up of late. And it was something that, you know, we saw them practice it quite a bit uh, in training camp, more mm-hmm. so than I think I, I can ever remember them practicing it. And so, um, it, it was always a mystery as to why that was not a bigger part of their offense. And this wasn't just a Shane Walder thing. This was going back, you know, his predecessor, Brian Schottenheimer, his predecessor, Daryl Bevel. It's always just inexplicably, inexplicably been absent from their offense. But you are actually starting to see it become more of a factor, uh, not just with the running backs, but with the tight ends and with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Well, when you see that first uh, screen pass to Charbonnet or something out in the flats, that little dump off, you're going to go, hey, that dummy from Edmonton called it tonight. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, maybe I'll even pull up the the, uh, the radio interview and share the receipts, as the kids like to say. Uh, thanks, so, shout out there. thanks so much for doing this, Brady. Really appreciate it. And enjoy the game tonight. You know, Seattle, you know, as you, as you said, maybe it comes down a couple big plays. They have a chance here. We'll see. I mean, everything is stacked up against them, but this is actually the kind of game traditionally that Pete Carroll's teams have won. I mean, I mentioned Mm -hmm. the the, uh, Detroit game earlier this season. So on paper, it's it's a pretty big mismatch, but just given their history, something tells me it's not out of the question. All right. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it, Brady. Enjoy the game tonight. Uh, you got it. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's Brady Henderson from ESPN.com as the 6-5 and five Seattle Seahawks take on the 8-3 and three Dallas Cowboys. And can you imagine, just think about this, Dallas, the first team ever to win each of the first five home games of the season by 20-plus points. I know what the spread tonight, Duke, is. What is it? Do you know? Nine points. Nine points. I'll tell you what. Would you take Dallas? and uh, give up the nine? A lot like what Brady said, everything points towards this being a, a landslide Cowboys, uh, how the Seahawks looked. Uh, Gino says he's 100% you know, off the injury list this week, but without Kenneth Walker mm-hmm. and, and the Cowboys' record at home this season, it seems like that should be an easy cover for them. But I'm kind of in agreement with Brady here. Uh, this is a game that the, the Seahawks, uh, always the dogs, and, and Geno Smith continuing to, to battle back from people kind of doubting him. Me included. I was cursing his name last week because I was all over the Seahawks to cover those points against the Niners. But I think I might be on the Hawks tonight uh, okay. just to cover. Probably not to win, but keep yeah. it close. When we come back, I will ask the Duke, and I asked him this week 
earlier in the week. Duke, global warming, 0-14 coming in. <laughs> Fantasy football, 0-14, but this is the week that I get off the schneid. Everything looks, everything's lining up. The stars are aligning for you, Kevin. A little bit, but I'm having said that, I need to pick a defense Ooh. out of three very good defenses. Three very good defenses going in to this week. We're going to talk about that when we come back. After the break on Sports 1440, stay with us. Uh, you know, I like that song. I like this song, Duke. But I thought really the very beginning riff was uh, going to be Waylon Jennings. I don't know what it is. I just thought the very beginning. But I'm happy with that choice. It's very Mor- twangy. Morgan Wallen? Yeah, that's the... What's his story? Uh, well, he's probably the uh, one of, if not the biggest uh, country music artist in the world right now. Glad uh, you're keeping up with current events, Kev. And, uh, you know, he, he's the he's one of the new age okay. country guys. So he's not everybody's cup of tea uh, if you're more of an old school person. But he's got some uh, fun tracks. That one, I'll tell you what, uh, this is the only time I'll mention it. Actually, I think it might come up in in or out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Every year, uh, Spotify... Okay. If that's how you stream your music or, or whatever the case. <laughs> no. Pl- plenty of people uh, listen to us on Spotify, okay. back to our podcast. That's where you can find the Kevin Carey Show, as well as uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, you name it. If you miss part of the show, always you can go back and find it uh, each hour at a time, all the interviews, everything. Appreciate so you for doing that. There's a good plug. But uh, at the end of each year, Spotify gives this to their listeners, the people right. that use the service. Uh, it's called Spotify Wrapped. So it's like their year in review okay. and it tells you what song did you listen to the most what artist did you listen to the most and people so i like i like looking back on it for myself yeah. but everybody shares it on their instagram stories their twitter pages whatever and here's the thing like i'm interested in it for myself i don't care to share it with anybody yeah. and i don't care what anybody <laughs> else is listening to when every woman that i follow on instagram my friends that i've uh, from back in delburn ones i met in school yada yada Every single one of them, their number one artist is Taylor Swift. Yeah, color me surprised. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, I, just, I don't care. Why Why do people share that? And I, it's kind of flipping because it started that way as people, everybody hated it when they would share their Spotify wrapped. But now it's almost the other side where people are like, share it. I want to see what you're listening to. He's like, I'll tell you straight up, I don't care. Okay. But uh, that song, every uh, that one we just played on the intro, that was my number one song listened to this Number year. one, Morgan Wallen. Yeah. It was a good Fun, tune. Fun's tune. It was great all summer long, uh, bumping mm-hmm. in the pickup, cruising yeah. down some back roads. You betcha. Wesley Snipes uh, chimes in. Perfect season. Don't mess it up. Now we're talking about uh, my fantasy football prowess, 0-14. And, and I, Gregor has really given it to me this year, and it's well-deserved. I'm up to 10 shots now, so 10 shots of Jack Daniels or Fireball. However, I made the trade earlier in the season with Stewie out in Camrose. He has to do half. So really five. If I can win this week, it's down to five. Victor says Seahawks win 17-14. Well, I think Dallas will put up 31 points totally. So I I would believe the over uh, will be a little bit more than 17-14. Okay, Duke, here it is. This is what's cooking for global warming this week. 0-14 record. I have three defenses, and here is your – this is it. This is it, Duke. Buccaneers – Home to Carolina, okay? That's one choice. Chargers in New England, that's another choice. Falcons at the New York Jets. Three, if you had, the, these are three pretty good defenses. Right now, the Bucks or Carolina's offense technically ranked around 28th, 29th. Chargers are taking on New England, ranked 31st. Falcons taking on the Jets, ranked 30th. 
about before digging on what you before at. digging into any numbers okay. um first of all two of those three teams you just listed are second and third in the league in yards given up to the run uh chargers and the bucks uh chargers defense has played better okay. lately they haven't been the reason necessarily they've been losing games uh it's been drop passes and things, but like I don't see how the f- choice is not the Falcons because the New York Jets offense is inept. Okay, it cannot do anything. Falcons the, had a, a defensive touchdown last week, and the Patriots' um, offense is no screaming he double hockey stick either. Mm-hmm. But I still think Ramondre Stevenson is a talented guy. Um, I don't think. And you don't like the Chargers? Well, That's the Chargers' it. defense is—it's. Uh, it, I, here's it's another porous. thing. Another thing when I pick a defense, I'm looking at the over-under in these games. Yes. Okay. That game, the Falcons and Jets, the over-under is approximately 33 and a half. About. I haven't really checked the line. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, that's a good sign that you're not going to give up points. That means you're not giving up yards. And you have the potential to cause a turnover and again the Falcons had a pick six it was a real long one I can't remember the guy's name last week yeah it, yeah, it was right a 90, 92 yard pick six and again as you know in fantasy football you want defensive touchdowns you need them they, or, they, they, they like that can be the tipping point between uh, losing a week and not if your defense because like almost on a weekly basis most defenses are pretty comparable at least compared to say the really bad ones like down in the zero to five point range but if you can get a defense that's mm-hmm. in that 10 to 15 point range that, that's a good outing. And then all of a sudden, a defensive touchdown can boost that even more. And I just want to correct myself, too. Sorry, I was looking at a different column. Chargers okay. and Buccaneers, second and third in yards given up to the pass, not the run. Okay. So, again, I have three good choices here. Well. But if, you, if I go with what you're saying, Duke, then I'm going to go with the one, and I'm going to go with the Falcons in New York against the Jets. The other option is, again, Buccaneers against Carolina. It's a home game. It's a little different as well. It, it, I mean, yeah, that always plays a factor. I think I think the NFL, probably more than any other sport, um, home field matters. Uh, and it's weird because it's the one sport where there isn't really a decided advantage, mm-hmm. like um, in, within the rules, advantage of the home team, of course, um, coin toss and things like that. But because like in the NHL, home team gets advantage of things like last change. Um, they changed the rules now that the uh, offensive, whoever's in the ozone in terms of getting your stick down first on face-offs, which is a minor thing. And then baseball, obviously batting last. You can mm-hmm. consider if that's an advantage or not, I guess. But I think NFL is the sport where home turf matters more than any other just because of the environments. Fair. It could be a coin flip for global warming. But this is it. This is it, Duke. I'm going to be 1-14 in 14 going into next week. So uh, let's just kind of recap the Oilers and Jets uh, tonight, Duke. Uh, Oilers come in with a record of 8-12-1 and one going into Winnipeg tonight. 6 o'clock puck drop. Uh, because of the one-hour time difference uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, Jets 12-7-2, but dropping their last two games. Talked to Jamie Thomas earlier from uh, uh, Jets.com. Could have gone either way, especially the last game, a 2-0 uh, victory shutout uh, against Dallas. The power play and the penalty kill always befuddles me in Winnipeg. I don't know why, and Jamie Thomas didn't have an answer for it either. Right now, Jets 21st in the league on the power play, 18.3%, and on the penalty kill unit, 27th in the uh, league, 73.9 clip. One of your questions for are you in or are you out? Leon Dreisettle will rebound from a pointless outing against the Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, with three points tonight against the Jets. To me, I, I see a, a bigger game for the Oilers' power play unit tonight. I see maybe a few more power play opportunities. Uh, I mean, 
This is a situation where the Oilers have a chance to go for their fourth win in a row. An opportunity to create momentum and continue that momentum. Plus, you go into a five-game layoff on such a positive note. Oilers will take tomorrow off. They'll take uh, Saturday off after tonight's game. I'm sure the players will, uh, you know, arrange something where you can uh, put your feet up, get away, maybe for a couple days, something quick, something uh, where you can recharge the batteries because uh, after that, uh, the back at practice on Sunday and we'll practice uh, uh, Monday and Tuesday and then the 6th is the next game against the Carolina Hurricanes. And that that is a, a stretch again for the Oilers, a home game stretch where you've got, again, an opportunity to push forward, to continue on. Don't worry about what's going on in the playoff picture wild card wise. Don't don't worry about what's going on in the Pacific Division. Worry about exactly where you are in the sense that, okay, let's take care of our own business. Let's take care of the people that we can, uh, the teams that we can chase, the teams that we can grab, the, you know, look at, you know, you did pass Minnesota. Now you got Anaheim in the sights. Let's just do this one at a time. So Carolina, Minnesota, then the Jersey Devils are here on uh, Sunday the 10th, which is a 2 o'clock game, afternoon game. Oilers had a great performance in Washington with an afternoon game. Uh, 5 nothing shutout. Everything went well in Washington. Continue that on. Keep pressing. Yeah, Chicago's here. That's an 8 o'clock game. Uh, that'll be uh, one of those... Uh, TNT games, I'm sure, where uh, Connor Bedard's featured. Tampa Bay and then Florida closes it out. Then the Oilers go on the road uh, for quite a few games, but it's broken up by, an, again, another five-day break around Christmas. So the schedule's looking good for the Oilers. They have a good schedule right now, Duke. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, we talked about it with Spec saying that basically one way or the other this game will act, as, or after this game, the team kind of gets a reset with the extended break. So I think momentum is some people think it's a myth some people pl- think it plays a huge role even with a win tonight i think that this break will be good for the others because of we talked about over the course of the show today they get uh, chris knobloch getting the chance to some more mm-hmm. extended time to um, implement this new system get some practices get some reps that way but like the favor the schedule is favorable the, yeah. the oilers are somehow only five points out of a playoff spot um I'm sure that will change after this extended break, even if they win tonight. Um, with them not playing for five days, there's probably a good chance some teams will uh, jump back above them, extend mm-hmm. their leads, et cetera. So um, it, it starts with tonight and against a good Jets team that uh, that has played well in the absence of their head coach, who's now back. They have one of the best goaltenders in the league. Um, I, I'm looking forward to tonight's game. I'll be watching it alongside Thursday Night Football at the CBH. <laughs> So uh, and, and because the fact that most Thursday night games have been duds, I've a lot of the time turned my attention to whatever hockey game has been on TV. So I'll get a chance to to hang in that way. Um, but yeah, I think Leon will bounce back. That's why I included it in uh, in or out. Leon yeah. will bounce back. Um, I expect probably a higher scoring affair just because that's what the Oilers do, even against a good goalie like Hellebuck. Just got an email I uh, wanted to mention uh, from Lindsay Harrison from uh, Due North Events. And uh, just to mention that FIBA 3X3 is returning to Edmonton for 2024. Now, uh, I think we, everyone knew that that was happening because of the the uh, commitment uh, situation with 3X3. It was a fabulous event uh, down in Ice District. So cool to see the big tent there and uh, Pulsar and everyone's done a remarkable job with 3x3. Now, the key, the key to this is that this is going to be the last uh, final tune-up, I guess, before the Paris Olympics. And you know the situation with 
Canada, the Plouffe sisters and things like that. But with the Paris Olympic Games, well, I guess just a little over a month from that. So it's July 5th to the 7th, uh, 3x3 in Edmonton. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it was a fabulous event. And I mean, to pony that up after the volleyball that was here downtown, that was a great couple of weeks uh, for our city to showcase uh, what we have, what we can do, and what we can be to, you know, cities across the world, to people around the world that traveled here and just to showcase it on TV and things like that. Thanks so much to all our guests today. Uh, Jamie Thomas from uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Always uh, good to catch up with JT. Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli, Kevin Radomski, Director of Business Ops for the Oil Kings. Uh, checked in the studio uh, as the Oil Kings get ready for Teddy Bear Toss Night tomorrow at Rogers as the Oil Kings take on Everett. So, still some tickets available. A great night. Uh, they're probably expecting, again, 13,000, 14,000 bears to litter the ice at, at uh, Rogers Place. Uh, and Brady Henderson from ESPN.com. Uh, thanks to Brady for checking in. And, of course, uh, Ladislav Schmieder, co-host on Thursdays from uh, 8 to 10. And, uh, Laddie, uh, he's probably having dessert somewhere right now, Duke. What do you think? It's got to be what he's doing right now. Got to be. Yeah, he, he probably <laughs> got some lunch, but then uh, got a dessert to go with it. Uh, wherever. Alamo, too, or not? Uh, well, dep- it, according to him, it depends what it is. <laughs> if he's having his uh, his lava cake, which I could not agree with more. That is an all-time <laughs> dessert dish, the, the hot chocolate sauce inside. Ice cream on that is the perfect pairing. I, I see Laddie right now at some McDonald's drive drive through getting the hot apple pie. That's what I see right now. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour, it's Fantasy Frenzy with... Former Ross Shep T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas uh, at 12 o'clock. The Lowdown with Alan Mitchell till 2, and that's when Jason Greger drives us home uh, from 2 to 6 on Sports 1440 with the Jason Greger Show. Lots of announcements coming up with the month of giving and... We've got something cooking for next week, Duke, on that. Could be something animal-related. How does that sound? Animal-related. So thanks so much for everybody taking time to listen to us this morning. Being a part of it with our show, uh, texting in and uh, being uh, uh, just a part of it. Uh, We really appreciate everybody listening. Uh, Coming up, top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 7.